My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, <laughs> but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses? She said, the pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. And that's when I realized the good news she was talking about. best news in the world is that the Lord has come. And that news brings to the world great joy. And in our text this morning, we're going to see that connection between good news and great joy. As we continue our Christmas series, we're spending three sermons looking at one verse in the Bible. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. So open with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, last week we talked about good news. This week we're going to talk about great joy. And next Sunday, the Sunday before Christmas, we're going to talk about all the people. So look with me, in Luke chapter 2 we will begin reading in verse 1. I want to ask you today to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word if you are physically able. The Bible says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. 
while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Now notice verse 10. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name and are so grateful for this opportunity to gather together as a faith family and to let you speak into our lives from your word and let you fill us with hope and faith and encouragement and joy. God, I pray that you would draw near in power by your spirit and I, and I ask you, Lord, to help us to understand what great joy is all about. We need you in this moment. So, Father, cause your hand to rest upon this service. May Jesus be, be greatly exalted in our midst. And I ask you to establish my steps in your word. And we pray all of this in the strong and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Joy. Is there anything in our society that is more desired and yet more lacking? Is there anything more fervently sought out and yet so infrequently found? Here in our text, we see that the Virgin Mary had given birth to Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. Because there was no room in the inn, they laid him in a manger, uh, an animal's feeding trough. And shortly after his birth, angels appear to shepherds who are watching over their flocks at night. And these Angels, speaking on behalf of God, gives the shepherds and gives us some clues as to what true joy is all about and where that true joy can be found. I like this definition of joy. It comes from Trent Butler. He writes, Joy is the inward feeling of happiness and contentment that bursts forth in rejoicing and praise. In other words, joy, true joy, can't be hidden. It just bursts forth overflows from your life. Great joy cannot be confined. It cannot be hidden. And in our text this morning, we're going to see uh, some insight into what great joy is all about. I want to answer this question. What is great joy? What does it look like? How do you know if you have it? Let me give you four truths that answer the question. What is great joy? Number one, we see the joy of divine nearness. The joy of divine nearness. It says in verse 8, the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Everybody see that phrase? They were terribly frightened. And then the angel says, do not be afraid. I've come to give you good news of great joy. Now, the adjective great in the Greek language is the word megos. It's where we get the word mega from. So it's as if the angel saying, I've come to give you good news of mega joy, big joy, great joy. But this adjective megos was used in the previous verse. Look in verse 9 where it says, they were 
terribly frightened. Literally in the Greek language, that phrase is, they were afraid with a great fear. They were afraid with a mega fear. That's how this uh, word, uh, this is what this word looks like in the original Greek language. And so here's what we learn. In this passage, the shepherds were offered an exchange. Great joy for great fear. They were greatly afraid as, as the divine drew near. But the angel says, don't be afraid. The purpose of this is to give you mega joy. Now, we need to understand that man, humanity, has a basic fear of encountering the divine. When they saw the, 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 the sky light up, and they saw an angelic messenger, they knew there was something supernatural going on, and they were terribly frightened. They had mega fear. They were greatly afraid. That reminds us that, that all of humanity has this basic fear of encountering the divine. Humanity has a basic sense that we need to be right with God. You say, wait, now how do you know that? How do you know that humanity has this basic sense of, of needing to be right with God? Well, everywhere you go, you know what you find? You find religion. We know that man sees their need to be right with God because everywhere you go in the world, you will find religion. I've been all over this world, all, a bunch of different continents. And everywhere I've gone, I have found religion in all different forms, all different manners. Everywhere you go, you see people trying to make amends with their concept of God. And, and the world religions are basically man's attempts at trying to appease their God. That's what world religions are all about. Man understanding that something's not right between him and the divine. But here... As these shepherds encounter the fear of divine nearness, the angel says, listen, this is not about fear. This is about joy. You need to understand that, that this divine visitation is a good thing. You see, we cannot approach God, but listen, he came near to us to make a way for us to draw near to him. It's as if the angel's saying, listen, you can't come to God. You're needy. You're, you're sinners. But God in his grace and glory has come near to you. And he's come near to you, Emmanuel, to make a way for you to draw near to him. And so these shepherds are hearing for the first time there is to be great joy in understanding the concept of Emmanuel and understanding that God has come to be with us. Like what Charles Haddon Spurgeon writes, he writes, Rejoice aloud, all ye people. Let your hills and valleys ring with joy, for a Savior who is mighty to save is born among you. And that's what the angel's saying here. It's good news of great joy. God has come near. God has drawn near. You couldn't make it to him, so God in his grace has come to you. And isn't that what the incarnation's all about? The joy of divine nearness. God making a way for us to draw near to God, God making a way for us to have a relationship with the divine, have a relationship with the one true God. And so what is great joy? It's, first of all, the joy of divine nearness, knowing that we can draw near to the God of the universe. But secondly, great joy is the joy of a personal gift. The joy of a personal gift. Look what it says in verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born, watch this, born for you, 
a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Look in verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So the angel saying to the shepherds, this, this good news of great joy is news that's specifically for you. You will find a baby. You have a Savior being born for you today in Bethlehem. And so the shepherds are experiencing the joy of a personal gift. Jesus Christ had left the splendor and glory of heaven and come to earth, and he came for the shepherds. The God of the universe had taken notice of the shepherds and was giving them an unimaginable gift. But guess what? Jesus is the greatest gift that has ever been given. And receiving him brings great joy. This baby that was born for the shepherds was also born for me. And also born for you. This, this unimaginable, indescribable gift of a Savior is a gift that's for us personally, right? And the shepherds are experiencing the joy of a personal gift. There's a baby that's been born for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. The joy of a personal gift. I like what the New Testament scholars Hendrickson and Kistemacher write. What greater joy could there be than the realization and wholehearted acceptance of the fact that God himself, through the sacrifice of his own and only son, had brought about the solution of the world's greatest problem, that of sin. And was not the Son's incarnation the first step in this solution? You see, God has offered you a gift. His name is Jesus. And this gift addresses your greatest point of need, the need for your salvation. And this gift came to earth and took on human flesh. That's what the incarnation is all about. And the shepherds here in this text are experiencing great joy. The joy of a personal gift. Now, now, people are different. Some people like thoughtful gifts. They want to know that some thought went into their gift. When Claire and I first got married, I went to the mall to get her uh, a Christmas present, and I went and bought her some clothes. And I got home, and I gave her the clothes, and here was her question. How long did it take you to buy these? In other words, did you put some thought into this, or did you just run in there and buy the first thing? I mean, she wanted to know that I'd put some thought into that. Again, some people like thoughtful gifts. One of my favorite gifts is a coffee mug. When I graduated from seminary, Claire got me a coffee mug with a seminary on it, and I, I, I would not take $100 for that mug. I love that coffee mug. I, I, I'm always looking for the mug. Is my mug clean? I, I just, it was a thoughtful gift. I, I like it thoughtful. How many of you say, wait, I'm a person that just likes thoughtful gifts? People put some thought into them. Raise your hand. Doesn't have to be expensive, just thoughtful. All right? Okay. Now, now others are different. Some people like extravagant gifts. They don't care how long it took you to buy it. They just want to know that it costs some money, right? How many of you say, I like extravagant gifts? Wait, just honest. Just raise your hand. I like, I like, oh, come on. Okay, all right. All right I like extravagant gifts. I, I like to know you, you went and got some, some good things for me, all right? Some people just like extravagance, right? Here's the truth about Jesus. Jesus is the most thoughtful gift that's ever been given. Because he addresses our greatest point of need, our need for salvation. But Jesus is also the most extravagant gift that's ever been given. He is the Son of God, the only Son of God. And God gave his Son for us because he loves us so much. 
And so the shepherds were experiencing the joy of a personal gift. And this Christmas season, we ought, to, we ought to experience the great joy that comes from knowing that God has offered us the gift of His Son. Jesus came for us. There's a third truth about great joy. What is it? Well, it's the joy of personal experience. The joy of personal experience. Look what the Bible says in verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry. They made haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had, look at this, seen this, they made the statement known which had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all, watch this, that they had heard and seen, just as has been told them. The, the shepherds here are experiencing the joy of personal experience. They were enabled to see their Messiah and Savior. The shepherds were able to experience Jesus personally. They saw him. They heard his cries. Maybe they even held baby Jesus. They heard that a Savior had been born, the Messiah had come, and they got to go experience him with their senses. They got to experience him in a very personal, direct way. But guess what? We're able to experience Jesus personally, too. They saw Jesus with their physical eyesight. But we get to see Jesus through eyes of faith. And that is highly significant. Over at the end of the Gospel of John, you remember after Jesus was resurrected, one of the disciples, Thomas, was doubting. Unless I see him alive, unless I see the nail prints in his hand and the, 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 the print of the spear on his side, I will not believe. And at that moment, Jesus appears in the room. He says, Thomas, you can touch the nail prints. And Thomas falls down and says, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus says something very interesting. He says, because you see, you believe. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. He's talking about us. We believe in Jesus, even though we've never seen him with our physical eyesight. Over in 1 Peter, it says that we do not see him, but we love him. And we do not see him now, but we rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. There's, there's a special privilege we have. We get to experience the reality of Jesus by faith. And there's nothing like it. It's the joy of, of personal experience. That, that experience of a personal relationship with, with God produces great joy does it not the fact that you know god in a personal and real way does that not produce joy in your life it ought to i read a story written by tom wallace a pastor who led a church in elkton maryland he told a story about a sunday morning when the service was just about ready to begin and a man came in that had never attended their church before. By all accounts, this was his first time in church in a long time. He was, seemed to be unchurched, seemed to be kind of aware of all that was going on and trying to understand it all. He looked around with awe and amazement at the great number of people that packed into the large auditorium. He came slowly down the aisle, Wallace writes, 
looking from side to side and seated himself on the second row from the front. As I preached, he listened with the keenest of interest. And when the invitation time came, I said, Now, how many of you are not saved, but you would like to be, and you want us to pray for you? Will you raise your hand? He shot up his hand and waved it back and forth persistently until he was sure that I had seen it. When I asked those who, could, who would claim Christ to come forward, he literally bounced out and darted to the altar. He stood stiff, stiff and erect. And I asked, Sir, do you believe that Christ died to save sinners? Yes, sir, I want to do just that, he said, rejoicing with a beam of triumph about him. When he came into the baptistry, I dropped him into the water and out again to walk in the newness of life. He came up out of the water, clapping his hands and shouting, Hot dog! Hot dog! Hot dog! Because he was unchurched, he didn't have the vocabulary yet, did he? He just praised the Lord with all that he knew to say. But do you see the joy in that? Hot dog. Hot dog. Hot dog. He, he's experiencing the joy of a, of, a, of, of a personal relationship with God. And if we know Jesus, we have that same experience with the Savior, right? And that personal experience, seeing Jesus through eyes of faith, should cause great joy to well up in our lives and overflow from our lives the joy of a personal experience. But there's a fourth aspect of great joy I want you to see. It begs our attention this morning. We've seen the joy of divine nearness, great fear replaced with great joy. We've seen the joy of a personal gift. We've seen the joy of personal experience. But fourth, we see the joy that is unshakable. The joy that is unshakable. Something very interesting happens in verse 20. And, and, and it's easy to miss this. But look what it says. The shepherds, they had experienced Jesus, saw him. The shepherds went back. Now here's the question. Where did they go back to? By all accounts, they went back to being shepherds. Now remember, the shepherds were, were despised in society. They were looked down upon. They were hated. When people saw a shepherd coming, they would give them a wide berth. People wanted nothing to do with these lowly shepherds. But after these shepherds experienced Jesus personally, they go back to their life, which was a very hard life. Notice the difficulty of life does not just go away. They've experienced Jesus, now they have rejoicing and joy in their life, but they still go back to hardship. They still go back to the realities of living in a fallen world. They were still on the lowest rung of society, despised by the cultural elite of the day. But now there's a difference. Before they were just shepherds. Now they are shepherds with unshakable joy. Because they have met the Messiah. You see, our joy is founded on realities that are unaffected by our circumstances. And I can almost imagine what someone might say that was hearing me preach this message this morning. Wade, you're talking about great joy and Christmas joy. What about Newtown, Connecticut? How can you talk about joy in the midst of great tragedy? The morning 
that the news came out about the school shooting, I was having my quiet time before I heard the news. I was reading Revelation chapter 12 that spoke of Satan knowing his time is short and being in a rage. Then I heard that news and I said, he's raging. Just pure evil. And I was thinking, how do I process this? How do I wrap my my mind and my heart around what's going on in our society? What happened on this fateful day? How can I celebrate Christmas joy in the midst of such violence? But here's what we need to understand. The greater context of the Christmas story is a context of great violence. You see, these shepherds went back to their life of shepherding. And shortly thereafter, they heard news, without a doubt, that Herod had gone on a rampage. And in order to make sure there were no usurpers of his throne, he was having every child, two and under, killed throughout the land. Infanticide. So the shepherds had the joy of personally experiencing Jesus, and yet there's this madman killing all the children. I wonder how that affected them. Could they still have joy? Unshakable joy in the midst of that evil and that tragedy and that brokenness. This angst that we feel was felt long ago by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. In the midst of the Civil War, he heard a church bell playing Christmas carols. He thought, how can we celebrate Christmas? How can we have Christmas joy when when thousands are dying all around me? As a matter of fact, he wrote a hymn called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Listen to this verse he wrote. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. So wait, how do we talk about joy? When we're surrounded by such tragedy and evil. Well, it goes back to the good news message of the angel. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Unto you this day has been born in the city of David, listen, a Savior, a Deliverer, a Rescuer. You see, Jesus will one day rescue us from the evil all around us. This world is not our home, right? And one day he's going to rescue us and take us to that place where there's no more mourning, there's no more crying, there's no more pain. That wonderful place called heaven. That's the hope of all those that know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. One day he will rescue us from the evil all around us. But not only that, Jesus also came to rescue us from the evil that is within us. We have all sinned against a holy God. We all deserve the eternal judgment of hell. But Jesus, our Savior, our Rescuer, came to take our hell for us. That's what the cross was about. Jesus took our punishment for us. He he died and he shed his own blood to pay the penalty that you and I deserve to pay but could not pay. 
then he defeated death itself by walking out of the grave. And anyone that calls upon his name can be rescued from the evil that is within them. The sin in their life. They can be forgiven of everything. And that's good news of great joy that never changes regardless of the circumstances we live in. That kind of joy, based upon that kind of message, is a joy that is unshakable. You see, joy comes from believing in unchanging, objective truth. And the saving work of God within us gives us consistent joy, whatever our circumstances. I love what J. Edwin Orr writes. He writes, Christian joy is no mere gaiety that knows no gloom. But it, it is the result of the triumph of faith over adverse and trying circumstances, which, instead of hindering, actually enhance it. We don't talk about joy and just ignore the realities of this culture. We don't sing and preach about joy this morning and just ignore the fact that there are hurting people. Families that are devastated this morning in Connecticut. We don't ignore that. But we say, there's good news of a rescuer in the midst of that. That gives us unshakable joy. And that's the conclusion Henry Wadsworth Longfellow came to. He goes on to write in that song, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. So Wade, what do you have to say in the midst of such evil and tragedy in our culture? God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. He is alive. And he offers a hurting world, he offers hurting people, he offers a hurting culture, a good news message of great joy that centers around a rescuer. That rescues us from the evil within us and one day will rescue us from the evil around us. And that kind of joy is unshakable. As we saw in the video earlier, what's the best news in the world? It's simply this, joy to the world. The Lord has come.